0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the New Books Network in Christian Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And I am Meg, the host of the channel. Today, we're going to be talking to Becca Ehrlich about her new book, Christian Minimalism, Simple Steps for Abundant Living. Um, Becca, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, we're so excited to have you today. Okay, so Becca, I wonder if you could just begin Um, our interview today by just telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So uh, I grew up in an interfaith household. Uh, My dad is Jewish and my mom is Roman Catholic and I'm Lutheran. So uh, we're a punchline in the making, I suppose.
0: Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) But that did uh, help broaden my perspective growing up. And I think I carried Mm -hmm. that into adulthood, which I think helped me kind of think about things a little differently than other people might, which is kind of how I discovered Christian minimalism.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. You're rolling right into it. I was going to ask what ex- what inspired you to write Christian minimalism. Can you kind of dig into that a little more?
1: Sure. So, uh I was watching Netflix and my life changed, basically. Oh
0: my gosh, yes. We love a Netflix <laughs> story. Okay, do tell yeah, more. So, so. <laughs> Um, so I have a chronic illness and I was having a bad health
1: day and usually when that happens, I don't move a lot. And so I was sitting mm-hmm. on the couch and browsing Netflix. And I'm a nerd. I watch a lot of documentaries. <laughs> and so, yes, I know, yeah. they're so fun. And so um, it suggested a documentary for me uh, mm-hmm. called Minimalism. It was the original one. About
0: minimalism. Yes, yes. Okay.
1: I had never heard about minimalism before. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even read the description of mm-hmm. the documentary. I was just like, well, It's only an hour and 15 minutes. And if it stinks, like it's only an hour and 15 minutes of my life, it's fine.
0: Right. right. So
1: I put it on. And by the end of it, I was like, oh my gosh, I think God is calling me to live as a minimalist.
0: (gasps) Yes.
1: And I was just floored. And my husband came home from running errands. And I was like, Will, you got to watch this documentary. (laughs) He was like, eh. He was not excited about it because I think he realized it was going to mean change. Yes. Um, so and, much change. So much change. And so I watched it with him again and he said the same exact thing. He got to the end and he was like, oh my gosh, I really think this is something God is calling us to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, a lot of the message is connected to what Jesus taught and Christian faith mm-hmm. and reality. I wonder if there's a lot of people connecting this to the Christian faith, because I'd really love to read in depth about that. And this was like the end of 2017. um, There wasn't really a whole lot out there. I mean, there was an Mm -hmm. article here or a blog post here or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a YouTube video here or there, but like there wasn't anything in great depth. And so I was like, well, I can't be the only one that's interested in this. I'm just gonna, you know, write about it and, and maybe other people will find it and find it interesting. And, um, yes. Also, it was a, a thing of accountability for me, right? Because when you start a whole new mm-hmm. lifestyle, it's good to put it oh out there gosh. so people hold you back. Yes. Um, See, yes. I didn't, I had no idea what that would be like. I just really wanted to write about it, and it was mostly just something I wanted to do. And if mm-hmm. people found it and found it interesting, that's cool too. Um, I thought it was just going to be like five of my closest friends and their cats.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But it ended up being like people were really interested in that intersection. And so Mm -hmm. we are. And so uh, I've been writing about it for mm, about three and a half years now. And then the book came out in May.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. So were you writing about it as a blog first before it became a book?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I started the blog in January of 2018.
0: Okay. What is, do you still have the blog and where could we find it if so?
1: Yes. So it's christianminimalism.com and I write on there twice a month.
0: Oh my gosh. Perfect. Okay. Did you hear that folks? The same name as the book, christianminimalism.com. Love it. I'm writing that down for myself. Okay. Um, All right. Well, let's just start digging in. Um, I don't want to give too much away to folks who are going to read this, but it was just so good in so many different ways. Okay. So (laughs) um, as far as beginning um, chapter one, Minimalism and the Christian Life. I just feel like this first chapter was so practical and a deep, helpful introduction, especially introducing things like minimalism experiments. Um, I felt like that really took the pressure off of folks who might just be exposed to this for this first time. Is that kind of what you were intending to do um, at the beginning of the book?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I know that it can be a little intimidating to be like, here, shift your whole life in world so, <laughs> yes. so, um, we, we My husband and I do a lot of uh, minimalism experiments where we try something mm-hmm. for a short amount of time. And so kind of the pressure's off because you kind of get to see and play with living with less without being like, and this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, it made it very bite size and community friendly. You know, like it wasn't just, okay, I'm in this by myself trying to figure this thing out. It was like, hey, let's just take a little small step. And there are other people out here that are interested and curious about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the things that I hope is that people can find other people who are on the same journey. Because I think when you embark on something that's countercultural, you really need that support because, you can get sucked back into the way things used to be.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, One of the things I loved, um, skipping ahead a little bit to chapter three, you talked about accountability partners in Christian minimalism and even gamifying your minimalist experience. And I feel like that really hit an intersection between Christian culture that we experience, you know, with accountability partners and fellowship but also the new exposure to minimalism. Um, did you have an accountability partner that helped you make your Christian minimalism fun for you or, um, at least, you know, keep you accountable to doing your experiments?
1: <laughs> yeah. So my husband and I are each other's accountability partners, but it in no way has to be a spouse. It can be a friend. Right. It can be like someone you meet, um, in the Christian minimalism community Facebook group, you know, it doesn't ha- even have to be someone, you know, super well, it just has to be someone where you're like, dude, I'm about to buy something online. I my <laughs> <laughs> card out of my hand, yes. Either or literally.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, definitely just a safe person that you can, you know, expose your dirty laundry of shopping and consumerism with.
1: Exactly. And maybe it would be better for some folks to use someone they don't know as well because they won't be as, you know, they won't hold
0: back as much. (laughs) Right. Right. You don't know me. Okay. But I'm going to buy these jeans online. Help me out. Okay. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Um, I also thought it was really powerful and interesting that you talked about diversity, like right off the bat. Um, and I, I followed this Christian leader. His name is Shane Claiborne. He's also a Philly res. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, fun fact, I'm outside of Philly, too, so maybe we could meet up in real life. But I just wanted to say uh, he said something like, you know, Christians, because we are so set apart from the world and the lifestyle that we're called to by Jesus, we should be the group of folks that can come together diversely and disagree and still still hold it together at the end. Tell me what diversity looks like for you and how that influences your Christian minimalism journey.
1: Yeah, I think um, when people hear minimalism, they usually think of the stuff part of it, which isn't
0: mm-hmm.
1: all of it. It's a small portion of the minimalism journey, which you'll know if you read the book or read the blog. Yes. Um, it's, it's really about an intentional living of focusing on what matters most and getting rid of the things that keep us from those things. And usually those things are not actual Physical things, <laughs> right? Um, and so, with that in mind, it's it's not something that we take on lightly, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's something that we do in order to focus more on God and what's most important.
0: Mm. Oh, I just want that to sink in for a minute. That is so good, um, and I think that I really felt that. From you in this book, because even in one of your chapters, you had a chapter on self-care and it wasn't just like, okay, self-care in terms of finding your personal style and getting just the shoes you want. But it was like, hey, we're going to hit a lot of different levels of se- self-care. We're going to talk about physical, mental, emotional, not just what you know your stuff is is telling you, but also all these different levels of who you are as a person. And I just wanted to say, thanks for opening up the conversation. You even talked about mental health. You talked about your own illness. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm just curious, is there any, any specific piece of that self-care that you felt like really flourished because of your Christian minimalism journey?
1: Yeah, I think the big thing for me, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, is that um, as a chronically ill person, I'm just painfully aware that I don't have An infinite amount of energy. I mean, none of us do, right? But like, especially so for people who are chronically ill. And so, um, minimalism for me made the most sense because it's about being intentional with our energy and time and resources in a way that I don't think most people have to think about that. And so, I already thought about it and then it made even more sense for me to be even more intentional with it.
0: Yes, yes. And I just think, yeah, it just shined a light on you know, even if you don't have a chronic illness, we're a part of this like work culture and we're so used to working ourselves to the bone that we don't know, like there is another way we can, Mm -hmm. we can slow down. Um, okay. Well that just brings me to, I think you were talking about stewardship and you brought in the conversation around time and, time as a way of stewarding, like how can we steward our times? And um, can you talk a little bit maybe about stewarding your time and even your Sabbath experience? Like how did you get involved in Sabbath and did that come after your journey with minimalism or was it, you know, before or in the midst of?
1: I think it was a little before. And then I really started to be more deliberate with my use of time once I started the minimalism journey. Uh, yeah. So we have such weird habits around time in the US.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like Agreed. We, right. Like we have this feeling of like time is money. I don't want to waste time. But at the same time, like we have no problem having social media time suck like two hours of our lives as we're scrolling. Oh. So yes. <laughs> I, think, I think minimalism helps focus that and, and really get us into what's most important. And like, it's not to say that you know, watching media or being spending time on social media is bad. It's just being more intentional with how much time you're spending doing those things. And, mm-hmm. and that's something I usually bring up, uh, to bring it back to the diversity question. You know, mm-hmm. people hear minimalism and they think, oh, that's for like rich white people. Um, Ooh, yes. But it but I would say that there's so many aspects of minimalism that could help people across the board of socioeconomic levels. Mm-hmm. Like everyone could be more deliberate with their use of time, right? Or Mm -hmm. more deliberate with use of resources in general, and everyone has different habits and thought processes around that, or Mm -hmm. uh, be more intentional with spending more time with loved ones. So um, that's something that I think about a lot. I usually, when we think diversity, we think, um, you know, ethnic or racial background, which is important, obviously, but, um, uh, you know, thinking, thinking about economic levels is also a type of diversity.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes. And I just love that you, you talked about economic justice in your book. Like you just went right for it. And I, I love that. Um, especially as someone who has seen the documentary by the Minimalists. um, shout out to anyone else who is a minimalist and is just like excited about a Christian minimalism book. (laughs) One of the things that I, I was really blown away by in that movie was the statistic of This is in order to live in America and to function at the rate of, you know, being able to pay your bills and not just live a wild, luxurious lifestyle, but just to be able to like live in a way that is comfortable, I guess. The median income had to be around $70,000 and how many folks don't make that? So yeah. even like, even that part of the conversation blew my mind. And I was really excited to see that you talked about economic justice in your book.
1: Yeah, thanks. And it's so crazy to think about that. Like, that's so much money. Like, I, I most of the people I know in my life do not make that much. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. I don't make that much for sure. And I, most people like, sure. oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just thought that was really great that you talked about it and the language that you use, you obviously throughout the book, you do pull in a lot of scripture and the language you're using in there, um, you quoting scripture where there is talk about oppressing the poor. And I was just blown away, like, wow, I just love that you're going there because it is so counter cultural for us. Americans to like stop and reflect. And I'll say from my own journey, one of the main reasons I got involved in minimalism was because I was studying the book of Amos. And there's a scripture in there that says something like, you sold your brother for a cheap sandal. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I wear cheap sandals. And I just got very involved in the fair trade and sustainable fashion movement, slow fashion. And I for years just felt this like emotional tie to sweatshops and, you know, Mm -hmm. where is my stuff coming from? And so for me, part of it, yeah, was this justice piece that like, I can't just buy and consume without being aware of like my global impact to my brothers and sisters and humanity or like the creation and how it's being affected by the stuff that I'm constantly consuming because I, you know, I love a good bargain at forever 21 or wherever I was shopping at the time.
1: Yep. But at what cost? Right. And like the things I think about a lot in our consumer culture society is that, you know, our our worth is based on our production value, what we can Mm -hmm. produce. And so Mm -hmm. like that's what's most important to consumer culture. And, mm-hmm. and what we can consume obviously because then we're spending money but
0: obviously um, yes
1: when the focus is on what we can produce um it's obvious that everything else suffers right so like uh work work environment and pay and all of that like if if it's just about the almighty dollar and making sure that more and more things get produced obviously everything else is going to fall by the wayside and that's where we get you know, CEOs that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars, and then the wage gap growing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's all connected to minimalism, because we want to be more intentional with how we're consuming and how we're thinking about production, how we think about our self worth. And so I think that's awesome that that you were really thinking about that. and Like you read, like God slapped you upside the head. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) It has left a mark. That's for sure. Oh my goodness! Yes, and I think one of the things that I, as I was reading about you talking about minimalism and economic justice, I was even brought back to when you were talking about Sabbath because one of the things that I learned, um, I you know started practicing Sabbath with some Jewish friends, and I really learned about you know the different story. Like God's story is one that we can trust and. And God said that I'm good. So I'm good enough to rest. Like I can say it is enough. What I've done is enough. What I have is enough. And I can just be still on this one day and and enjoy creation, enjoy my family, enjoy what I have. And I feel like so much of the story gets lost because we are worried about we, what we don't have. We don't have enough there. I'm not making enough X, Y, and Z. And yep. Yeah, the Christian minimalism, I feel like you really open the conversation to be about this abundant narrative that God's inviting us into.
1: Yeah. And if you think about it, Sabbath is the opposite of consumer culture
0: because it's yes. not about,
1: like, Sabbath is rest and not producing.
0: You know? Yes. <laughs> saying, yes. You it's like the anti consumer story.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I don't think people realize that. Like, Sabbath is resistance to consumer
0: culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes, 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 yes. I love that. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we can just go, I could go off about the Sabbath and all of that. So instead of me going off for another 45 minutes about Sabbath, let's talk a little bit about, um, spiritual growth. Um, is I saw that you put a lot in there, like there were even, you know, some spiritual practices that I didn't even think about. So In your minimalism journey, when you started saying no to more things in your schedule, what types of spiritual practices were you able to say yes to that you weren't doing before?
1: Yeah, I would say that I was a pretty typical person who has good intentions about like praying and doing devotions on a regular basis, but like Mm -hmm. I was always like, oh, I'm so busy, you know, I have to (laughs) carve it in between things. And now, like, Mm -hmm. now that I'm like focusing on what matters most, like, I, I put those things first. <laughs> it's not like, oh, when I have time, I'll pray and hang out with God. Mm-hmm. Uh so I I've been way more able to experiment with different spiritual practices because I've made space and time and mm-hmm. energy to do that. So and I listen for God's voice a lot more than I did before because I've made space to do that. Like I even just notice God guiding me more in my daily mm-hmm. life because I've listened more, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know if there's any like specific spiritual practices. I I tend to rotate through them. I try to do ones that I'm really comfortable with. And then I stretch myself and do some of the ones that still feel a little weird to me (laughs) because you Mm -hmm. never know how God's going to speak to you. Um, I I had a wide range of spiritual practices in the book because I think we all connect with God in different ways.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I really loved that. And, And I even hear you saying right now, it wasn't even necessarily the right way to do things, but that you were creating space for God to fill the thing. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah, because I think so often we we expect God to just talk through all the stuff we're doing, and I think God can do that. But also, it's it we get used to listening for God more if we make the space to listen for God.
0: Mm, I love that. Yes, I love that. Um, okay, real quick. Are, I think you said before, but you are a pastor, right? I am, yes. Okay, and so you have this this platform, I guess, where you have the ability to be able to talk with and share about these spiritual practices and even Christian minimalism with a congregation. Are, are you placed at a cr- certain congregation?
1: No, so right now I'm working at two bishops' offices where um, I don't just work at one congregation. I work at uh, over a hundred in both of the oh, bishops' offices. What? Office I work at. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh my gosh! So you could be the busiest woman out there. Thank goodness for Christian minimalism.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, because I, I I'm definitely better at the time management stuff than I was.
0: But I think also uh, one of the parts
1: of. What I do is talking about stewardship, and so yes. um, it just flows very naturally into the things I talk about about Christian minimalism. So a lot of people, when I when I do my you know stewardship presentation and have conversations with congregations about what it means to um, give and use resources more intentionally, uh, mm-hmm. it just flows very naturally into what I do with my Christian minimalism work.
0: Oh my goodness, that is amazing! Wow. Um, Okay. I do, since we're talking about your work, I did want to talk a little bit about vocation. You mentioned, I've never heard this quote, so I'm just going to read it real quick. So um, you're talking about work and how we in our culture have kind of allowed work to become religion. And you talk about this new new societal thing called workism that Derek Thompson writes about. And I'm just going to read this real quick because I just thought it was so mind blowing. What is workism? It's a belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life purpose and the belief that any policy to promote human welfare must always encourage more work. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I, I just, yeah. Can you just spend a minute? How did you find this Person, this quote and you know how did you incorporate this and and listen to how god was using this specific type of concept of workism into your own christian minimalist journey
1: uh i found it (laughs) this is so random i love Uh, it i found this article from when when you i use firefox as my browser and when Uh you like go to click on a new tab um oh yeah it gives suggested articles and it then they start tailoring it to you based on like what you've read previously. Um, mm-hmm. And this was one of the suggested articles. Apparently a lot of my Christian minimalism journey is around <laughs> media telling me what I should look
0: at. Oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, I just want to say that's hilarious because wasn't your dad in advertising? He was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Like this is just proof in the pudding that like advertising is doing the thing.
1: Yeah. And he actually taught like he was a professor for a while at community college, like teaching people how to do advertising and marketing to like sell more stuff. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And also he just gave you and your brother. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He just gave you and your brother this like media literacy that I think we all need in the world.
1: Yeah, he did. It was so weird. Like we would actually when we would be watching commercials, he would be like, now look at what like human base need they're they're tapping into here and what they're saying you'll get fulfilled by this. Um, And he'd like my my favorite part is like, we would walk into stores and he would be like, now notice how they, they set up this one spot so that you'll, you'll buy more things. It was just really, I was always super fascinating to walk into these places. Oh
0: my (laughs) gosh. I feel like you just had the inside scoop. Like you had the insider sneak peek on all the marketing things. Like, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm sure everybody already knows this, but you know, like when you're watching a movie and there's product placement, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's product placement. I feel yeah, like that's totally.
1: Exactly. Although I will say some of them are much less noticeable than others, but my dad would always point out the ones that were less noticeable. You know, like obviously if they're like, we're go- we're about to use Skype, like obviously
0: that's a problem. Right, 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 right. But like
1: sometimes they'll have something in the background or they'll just be holding like a can of soda or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's a little more subtle.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Well, shout out to your dad. Thank you for the education. We love it. Great. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, helped you write this book. We love it. Mm-hmm. Also, um, one of the things that we kind of touched on before that I want to just hear a little bit more about is the in chapter nine, you talk about abundant living. And I feel like um an abundant mindset is so crucial. And it can even like depict the way that you see God and humanity, you know, having an abundant mindset versus a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, But especially in like the Christian minimalist journey, to be able to have a guilt free and healthy experience of minimalism in general. um, Can you tell me just a little bit about what abundant living means to you, what it looks like in your experience with Christian minimalism?
1: Yeah. So one of the Bible verses where God slapped me upside the head. (laughs) Yes. Yes. um, John 10, 10, where Jesus says, Mm -hmm. I think that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Mm -hmm. we learn from other teachings that he has in the gospels that like, this is this abundant living is not what consumer culture tells us abundant living is. Abundant Mm -hmm. living for consumer culture is like getting more, more, more stuff, more worldly accolades, more fame, more wealth. Um, mm-hmm. just more. And mm-hmm. Jesus teaches the complete opposite of that. In fact, is basically like, yo, I'm going to tell you a story about this guy in Luke 12, who like stockpiled a whole bunch of stuff thinking he was going to live large. And then he died. And like, what happened? All that stuff.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. And so,
1: um, so Jesus obviously teaches the opposite of that type of abundance. And so like, an abundant life for Jesus is focusing on the most important things. And spending time with God. And so that's really kind of focused my experience of Christian minimalism because people think that's a paradox, right? Like, oh, I'm living as a Christian minimalist and I'm also living an abundant life. Well, no, Mm -hmm. I'm living an abundant life because I'm living as a Christian minimalist. It's made space for what's most important as opposed Mm -hmm. to all the things that consumer culture tells us uh, will make us happy or make us fulfilled or whatever.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing the God smack you upside the head scripture. I wrote it down. John 10, 10 people write it down. (laughs) Um, I did want to bring up one little fun thing that I loved about your book because I have a very colorful personality and my things are very colorful. And I love that little story about your red shoes. (laughs) And I just wanted you to know today I'm wearing a magenta dress with cheetah block print on it. <laughs> oh, <okay>. That's <laughs> yes. awesome. Um, so I guess just a little bit, I would love to hear about how, I guess your personality has been infused into your minimalism experience, not just with, you know, um, your wardrobe and things like that, but also like your core values. How are your personality and your core values showing up in your life differently or more authentically now that you are, you know, a few years into your Christian minimalist journey?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I I love sharing the story about my red shoes because I think most people hear minimalism and they think like a world devoid of color and joy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's might be really just because of the design aesthetic that you yeah that is called minimalism, which is very different than the lifestyle. Um, right. But like telling people that minimalism is not about not enjoying stuff in your life, and by stuff I mean everything, not just things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's about actually making space so you could enjoy your life more. And so mm-hmm. that means that if I, if, you know, a pair of red shoes, for example, if I'm using them frequently and they add value to my life and like, I love them and I wear them all the time like that, I can be a minimalist and wear those shoes and that's totally valid. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's so much, minimalism is so much more than just like, oh, I'm just going to wear black and be sad in a corner. <laughs> An angsty. It's, opposite. it's like being able to live your life more fully and yes. because you have you've focused everything on what's most important.
0: Yes, I love that. I just love that so much. And I think when I was first starting out my journey, I was gung ho about getting rid of things and just as a side note, I just love to like get rid of stuff and share with my friends and, you know, oh, this person would love this dress, whatever. I just love to like, you know, be someone who passes things on. So when I first started this journey, I was like, okay, I need to get rid of everything. But then um, I have a friend who is a minimalist, like he's a consultant, a minimalist consultant. And so one of the, and his background is in social work. And some of the work we did was finding out what are the core things to your identity that you can continue to bring more of into your life now that you got rid of so many things. And I think I had to really reflect as a Christian, like, what are my core values? Not only as me, Meg, but as a Christian, what is the narrative that I believe God is telling to the world? And how can I incorporate more of that in my life? Because that's what I want to be about. And You know, creating more space for hospitality and generosity in my life. So, I heard you talking about the stewardship things. Like, that's the same type of thing. Like, how can we cultivate these core values that are pillars in our faith and bring them front and center rather than just as a secondary thought?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it.
0: Okay. I loved um, that you also ended your book with a read and reflect section. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I did not even see that when I first started this book. And then I finished and I was like, no, she didn't. I can journal these things. So, um, I guess, yeah. What inspired that last section? Did you have that intended from the get-go or was that like an afterthought? No, I definitely intended on
1: having that when I started writing the book. Um, because there's so many books out there that are really useful uh, especially in like maybe small groups and congregations or just groups mm-hmm. of friends or even just personal reading uh, mm-hmm. that like it's just really nice to have some discussion questions there already or like things to help you reflect on what you've read previously. And um, I find myself with a lot of books when I get to the end. I'm like,
0: man, I wish there was a section to help with that. So
1: yes. I just include that included. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for adding that because we're all excited about it. Um, I just have one superficial question for you. In terms of minimalists, who are the ones that inspire you? Are there any, um, I guess, like, you know, influencers or minimalists out there that are doing similar or just like Christians that you look up to that you're like, you know what, this person... I really love what they're doing, and I look to them for a little bit of guidance in this area.
1: Yeah, one of the uh, minimalists that was really, really important to my journey was Joshua Becker, um, who's one of the major minimalist writers in that in that uh, genre, I guess I would say. And yeah. uh, and what's interesting about Joshua is that he's a former pastor, and so oh. yeah, and so he'll use um, Bible passages in his. Books. I mean, he'll use them with like ways to make them um, make more sense to a secular audience because his audience mm-hmm. is um, for a wider group. But mm-hmm. um, but he he will use Bible passages here and there, uh, especially in one of his major books. And it's, it's kind of fun to read it because I'm like, oh, yay. And so that was one of the first things I discovered when I started writing about Christian minimalism but obviously his, his audience is a secular audience, which is great. Um, Mm -hmm. so he doesn't go into like great depth about using scripture, but, um, but it was really instrumental for me to be like, yes, there are Bible passages that are very pertinent (laughs) to Christian minimalism. And we should talk about the intersection between scripture and Christian minimalism.
0: Yes, that is so awesome. And I just love that, like, I think you said this earlier, there was this hole because, yeah, there are some folks who are really great at minimalism, been around the block for a while, but they are speaking to a specific audience. And there wasn't too many folks that were speaking directly to Christians about how to do this because of your faith and incorporate your faith, like directly front and center into this minimalist conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was, I was just so, so intrigued by it, and I was like, I can't be the only one who was intrigued by it. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> which is good. Yes, yes. As more and more people discover minimalism, and as people are like, oh yeah, this kind of relates to my faith. Like, how can I do do this as a faithful Christian? And obviously, what that looks like is going to be different across the board for different flavors of Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why I think it's cool. Like. We have, like, in, in the communities on Facebook for Christian minimalism, like, we have everything from, you know, evangelical Christians to, like, Roman Catholic and Orthodox and everything in between. <laughs> mm. And so I think that's cool because, like,
0: yes.
1: it's like Christian minimalism joined together, even if how we live out our Christian faith looks a little different.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love that. And I'm going to check that out because I'm a self-proclaimed deconstructed Christian. So I would love to just, like, pop in and, like... Have some Christian minimalism and friends to like wrestle through these things with.
1: You totally should. It's super fun because people post stuff and like and then everyone's like, oh well, I was thinking about this yesterday.
0: You know? Just like, let him not alone. Oh my gosh. Okay. Are we posting pictures of before and actors too? Or are we just, you know, mostly conversational?
1: Yeah, it's mostly conversational, but people have done a few pictures. Okay. Cool. It's fun too because it's it's international. So like people in Sweden will be like, "Here's my here's my Swedish house." Oh my gosh! That that looks like an IKEA furniture store. (laughs) Oh
0: my gosh! So funny. Got all the HUGA. I love it. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. Uh, Okay, my friend. Well, Becca, I feel like we've taken up a lot of your time today. But before I let you go, I would love for you to tell us. What are you working on now? Do you have any future books in the works or are you, you know, how are you, what are you doing on these days?
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, with the Christian minimalism stuff, I'm hoping to work on a group, a small group curriculum that's mm-hmm. that's sort of based in the book. But I know that like, you know, a book book club or book group isn't for everybody. So having right. a, a small group curriculum version of it would probably be good. So I'm working on that. Um, I'd love to write a second book about spirituality and spiritual practices. That's something I've been tossing around and writing. Some yes. About. Um, cause my, my, I just graduated with my doctorate in Christian spirituality. So I feel like I, I should put it to good use. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, Dr. Becca. I wish you had told me beforehand. I would have given you the full introduction. Oh gosh.
1: It's not, I mean, it's, it's, it was totally great to do the, the learning and the writing. And I wrote my, um, my thesis because I, I got a doctor of ministry, not a PhD. Um, mm-hmm. and so We call it a thesis. But I wrote my thesis on Christian minimalism as well. So I wrote about it from an academic standpoint, as opposed to my book, which is a little more it's for it's for everybody, not just academics.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So is this like published on Google Scholar? Can we find it? It should be. I I don't know. I just graduated, so I'm
1: not sure what the time lag is on that. But it okay, should so
0: be. we will keep our eyes peeled for 2021. To yes, feel free to read
1: my D-Men thesis.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! For all of you academics out there who love the data and love the research, keep your eyes peeled.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh, that's funny. Um, and just you know, so I'm actually um, taking a new call uh, coming up, and so finding new ways to live out the Christian minimalism lifestyle and in, in different ways that I serve God.
0: Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, for those of us who don't know exactly what taking a new call mean, what is, is that like a new vocational thing?
1: Yeah, it's literally just a new job. Um, oh, but okay. as, as pastors, we believe that, you know, God has a hand in, in where we get placed and called to. So um, yes. call it that way. Um, but yeah, so I'm actually uh, going to be associate dean for community life at General Theological Seminary in New York, and so
0: oh my goodness, because
1: <laughs> I'm a nerd, as we've already established. So I uh, did love I'm a nerd, school, and now I get to be at school all the time and work with students and faculty and staff. And, um, oh yeah, my and gosh, so finding ways to use um, that Christian minimalism stuff in my work there. And I'm also teaching a course on Christian minimalism um, and Christian spirituality at United Lutheran Seminary on the Philadelphia campus in October.
0: Oh my gosh. Is that open to the public or do you have to be a student?
1: No, I mean, anyone can audit. It's just, you, you'd have to pay a little bit, a little bit of a fee to audit, but yeah, anyone can audit.
0: Oh my gosh. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Becca, those sounds like great projects, and we can't wait to see more of your work and what you're putting out in the world. I just want to thank you so much for being on our show today. I really enjoyed speaking with you, and I can't wait to share this book and the read and reflect section with all my friends.
1: Yay! Well, awesome. And I'm excited that uh, more and more people are discovering the intersection between Christian faith and spirituality and minimalism and living more simply.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Becca.
1: Thank you.